no one goes, oh, what was your time at Mount Miss? They're like, oh, you finished. <laughs> Can you cuss on this one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, wow, you finished it. Like, every time I finished five Mount Miss, every time I What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Share the Road podcast. Chris Abel coming at you, and whoa, what a week. Things have really ramped up with the COVID-19 prevention measures. We are quarantined. We are not in school for God knows how long, and it is just really insane that what has happened just in the past week alone. Normally, we have a huge group run that meets on Thursday mornings uh, in order to follow guidelines and recommendations. We didn't have that this morning. I still got together with a couple guys to run, and we just talked about, whoa, last week we were kind of cracking some jokes about this. Now, not so funny. Um, hopefully, you are finding ways to stay active and stay positive and to keep yourself productive. Um, in order to help with that, I'd like to start a um, movement of for the joy. So if you go for a run this week, whether it's by yourself or with one or two other people staying six feet apart, make sure use the hashtag for the joy and tag me at share the road pod. All right, I'm going to be sharing those to my Instagram story and my Facebook story and maybe making some Instagram posts to make sure that everyone is still a part of this running community and that we're doing things that we enjoy doing. So make sure you post on that this week. We have a really awesome show lined up. Dylan Hammond sat down with me. Dylan is an awesome role model for the running community here. He's a father, husband, and athlete. And we dive in to talk about all kinds of things, his story, his background, um, why we run, and his running history, and some integral parts of injury management, and other things like that. There are so many things we could have talked about, so Dylan will certainly be back. I am so happy to have had him on. He's been really an inspiration for me since I've moved back. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. Let's do this all right what's up everybody joining me right now i've got my good friend and somebody who means a lot to our community here in owensboro and somebody who has been a great inspiration to me since i've moved back friend father husband athlete dylan hammonds what's up dylan what's up everybody in the all right so dylan you work for the Davis County Public School System. You're kind of a media guy, right, as I understand it? Yeah, Can you explain yeah. explain a little bit of what you do? Um, I think it's uh, kind of um, the job title has moved around a little bit. I started out, I, it was uh, basically I was editing videos and doing videos from the school, but we didn't have much of a social media presence. And I think it's morphed into a little more social media. And it's been fun for me because... I do not, did not have a background going into this. Um, just always been passionate about kind of taking pictures and video and trying to tell a story out of it. So it's been fun. It's been a learning experience for sure. No doubt. And I mean, the energy that you bring into everything that you do too certainly kind of helps with that because you use a lot of those skills that you have uh, also kind of hyping up uh, the local running group that we do on Thursdays, Project Rise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, I think uh, uh, that probably what uh, I think I've used uh, even in my interview process, uh, a Project Rise video, and um, it's been good. It's been good to do that. It's easy in this community. <clears throat> when I first started running here uh, in Owensboro, um, there was a lot of people I looked up to, um, and I felt like were the prefontaines of Owensboro that um, I made time uh, to get to know because I thought it was it's always important to kind of know your history of, of the sport you're in, um, especially sometimes when you're walking around this town bragging about your times and somebody that doesn't look like they can run five feet um, could be 
have a three minute faster PR in a 5k than you ever had. So now you said you, when you moved to Owensboro, what, when did you move to Owensboro? I moved in 1999. Uh, I came, it was just a few months before the tornado, uh, hit. Oh, nice. So I was maybe a half a year before. Um, so moved from California. Uh, my friend actually went to school here, um, at Kentucky Wesleyan, um, played baseball there and we were both coaching baseball in California and I needed a change in my life, and um, and he was making a change. So I basically threw on the very very little stuff I had into the back of the U-Haul and tagged along, and uh, been here ever since. Was that a pretty big culture shock moving here from California? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know, I lived in Northern California. That's where I grew up, but I lived in San Diego too, um, and have family in LA, San Diego area, and it's definitely a culture shock. I think my story I always tell all the time is going into the post office for the first time and having someone um, try to spark up a conversation with me. I wasn't <laughs> ready for that. I was like, California, you just look straight ahead and you wait till you get to the counter and you do yourself and you leave. Uh, you don't actually have uh, conversations with people in a in a post office or a DMV. So. <laughs> it's like, oh man, we're both standing here for yeah. 30 minutes yeah. and this person is trying to talk to me <laughs> the entire time we're here. <laughs> and did you, now you running here, did you run before in California? Too? No, no. I actually came out here. I was probably out of, I was out of getting out of shape or I was, was out of shape. Um, I never ran. I, had a few background, kind of like when you look back at it, those couple times where my path had crossed with running. Mm -hmm. uh, my first was my friend, Kevin Miranda, in high school. We were friends since uh, elementary school, and um, he was a really good runner. Uh, ran in, uh, just a really amazing runner, and he used to play football too, so he'd do these night runs, and I would go out and run these night runs with him as he trained for cross country after football practice and um, I remember loving it but I never liked to do it with anybody else right and uh, second and when I was in San Diego I started to run a little bit run at the beach and do some running but mostly you know I wasn't for it didn't enjoy what people look like when they ran it just kind of wasn't really my thing and uh, yeah so kind of an on and off in cuz like I wouldn't even call on and off. I think I've like uh tripped into it a couple times <laughs> and uh definitely didn't stick around enough to be even consider uh enjoying running at all. There definitely has to be something more I think that brings us into it because certainly at surface level just jumping right into it um, I can vary on, and I talked with Hadley about this when I first started, it'd be like a mile a few times a week. I'd be like, all right, that was pretty awful. I guess I'll do that again yeah. in a couple of days. And that would last maybe two weeks before it was like, uh, okay, maybe not. So you moved to Owensboro and what, what did you do when you got here? Well, uh, I worked at the baseball Academy, which was players, I don't even remember the name, player sportsplex at the Owensboro baseball Academy. And basically sat on a bucket, throwing baseballs, teaching kids how to hit, doing camps. And baseball is just not when you're doing that. If you're a coach and you're coaching from certain hours, you just don't really that's you don't really have a lot of time uh, to do that. And I just had I got added a lot of weight onto my body. Probably at the heaviest, I was about 262 pounds. Wow. Um, and I remember the first time. The very first time I went for a run, and I, I always tell people I made it a block, and I thought I was going to die. And everybody always laughs. And I said, no, I know Like people say that. I actually thought I was going to die. Like my heart, I had never beat like that. I'd never had the breath out of breath like that. I've never felt so uncomfortable in my own skin. And I remember mm. walking that two blocks back to the house and just looking at myself in the mirror and was like, what did I become? What have, what happened to the athlete I used to have? And that kind of started that journey where I was just about to try to get back and get my health back. And running was the easiest way to do it. I didn't have to go to a gym. Cheapest way for sure. Cheapest way to do it. I mean, I can't even imagine what kind of shoes I wore at that time. I think at one point I had Nike shocks. 
<laughs> so I would laugh if, if I had those now, but it, I mean, I think I just had a whatever I could have. It was probably like turf shoes, baseball mm. shoes, and just tried to run a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, definitely when you first get into it, you don't really know anything about shoes or anything. Uh, it's just literally that first step. It's funny that you say made it a block. I've talked before on the pod about how my dad at one point saw that my weight was getting higher and higher. He's like, look, man, just run from one light pole to the next light pole. And I couldn't even do it once. And we get yeah. back inside. Bob was like, how did it go? Yeah. And, and dad was like, I said I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. It's oh. so true, though. And I think that's the problem is that we get into that mentality like it comes naturally. I just mm -hmm. remember not having a watch. I didn't have mm -hmm. even a Timex watch, not even like hit the start, stop, I ran for 35 minutes. Yeah. I remember I would look at the clock before I left the house oh. and then come back and look at the clock and I didn't write it down or anything. It was just like, oh, I did that. Um, had no idea about pace or or anything. Shorts, I remember just basketball shorts yep. and you know chafing shirts and all, all the worst things you could do. Yeah, yeah, a lot of problems, a lot of chafing in that area. But um, I remember that was right when I first met Shelly, probably my wife, about three months uh, before that, after that first run. And I just remember it's odd that she ran in college. She went to Murray too. Like Go racers. And uh, she ran in college and... Um, some of our first kind of interactions were like me going, you know, trying to man up and keep up with her and her <laughs> sister. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was one of those things where, um, I fell in love with it quick. I don't know if it was because I was falling in love with her or that I was seeing results. Um, but it was something that I felt like at the time that I had blown so many things in the past athletically that this was like one of those things that like hey like something was giving it back to me mm. like so i was getting a, ch a second chance or third or fourth or fifth chance in my case to have a little bit of an athletic self back again absolutely and it's so interesting you hear a lot of people tell their kind of running story, why they got into it, why they got into endurance sports. And a lot of it kind of has that redemption quality to it. Like you listen to Jim Walmsley's story or some of these other guys that dealt with so many things in their life. And then one day they were just like, you know, what? I'm just going to, I'm going to run. Yeah. I'm going to push myself. And it's really cool that we can find that anchor in order to, you know, find something new that we never thought we would love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think the, you know, the, the shorter the races are, um, the less problems you have. Um, mm, as I've yeah. gone into the longer races, I feel like, um, you see a lot of the common threads of addiction and depression and a lot of things that I've always told people, the more you, it might seem odd that you want to run these really long races. Um, but really it kind of calms the voices in your head. It, everything starts to settle down at some point um, and calm down from those everyday just anxieties. Um, and yeah, you see that. Uh, my, you know, um, it, I battled alcohol. I haven't drank alcohol. Uh, me and Shelly have been together 17 years and we, she's never seen me take a sip of alcohol. And I think I just grew up with that mentality of, you know, that's how you have fun. That's mm. how you, that's how you kind of express yourself or enjoy yourself. And it's manifested into, you know, drinking and then bad choices and food and all of that. It was kind of a snowball effect, but I feel like when running entered, it was easier to, it was easier to push those things away. Uh, some people have an easier time when they're not doing anything, cutting back. Um, I'm more the opposite way. I usually, when I'm the healthiest, running and the most mileage, I'm very strict on what all my stuff is. So really everything kind of goes from just like a million people talking down to 
just a very few, which is really mm. good in my life. Yeah, and you touched on the longer races having kind of less, uh, or having you see some of those bigger, pro- those more complex things. Uh, I think it's really fun. I believe it was um, Tom Evans that said during uh, the running conference, uh, listened to is like the cool thing about ultras is you live like three or four lifetimes over the course of that yeah. race. Yeah. You get your ups and your downs. Multiple and times. Multiple times. And you For just sure. kind of have to, you, you find a way to get through it mentally it's finding it's not about running the distance it's about finding out what what are you made of yeah you know and if you if you haven't found that out yet you're gonna find it out you're gonna find it out really fast so you start you start running you're dating shelly um everything's going great when did that next level kind of come of like all right you know what I'm gonna. So everybody calls thirteen point one the last sane distance. Yeah, yeah. When did you? Well, actually, you know, um, when when it really took off is I was running on my own and I ran started running with Bo Phelan and Keith Johnson. They were both teachers at Apollo. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. Yeah, and that was kind of my introduction into that. I was riding a little bit of a bike, riding the bike a little bit, doing some running and. Um, I started to get in better and show better times and better times. And one day I ran through just happening at Legion Park over at, uh, they used to, every week weekday at four o'clock, people would meet to run over at the far pavilion mm-hmm. that's on the opposite side of where the water park is. And uh, I ran, cut through there, and I saw five or six guys with their shirts off, and they looked super fit, and I kind of just, I didn't say anything and ran through, and then uh, the OMU race with Scott Minch, if you don't know Scott, um, he's a really big buff guy now, but in his day, he could fall out of bed and run 16-minute 5Ks, and was just a super, super runner, but he puts on the OMU race. Okay. And went to the OMU race and started warming up and um, just happened to run with Paul Mayfield and Pat Brown, which is Kevin yeah. Brown's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and we <laughs> we warmed up and then we ran together in that race. And um, I think we ran like 18, 18 17 or something Ooh. like that. But Paul was like, hey, you need to come to Legion Park and run with us. <laughs> he was a heavy recruiter. So I met, yeah. you know, those guys, uh, Nate Pagan and uh, Paul Mayfield and Pat and um, Dean Roberts mm-hmm. and just a bunch of those guys that, I mean, you would just show up like you either got hurt or you got dropped. That was like wow. the, you got faster, you got, or you got hurt. It was yeah. the, I remember really thinking I'm in way over my head um, that I would we would start these uh, these loops and we would have you know five or six different five to six mile loops and and I didn't know any of the endings of any of them because I would get dropped (laughs) and have to kind of weave my way back to Legion Park and that kind of spurred it on and at that time it was really. Race local 5K, 10Ks, maybe a 10-miler, Owensboro 10-miler. Great race. And um, uh, the really kind of set the tone was, hey, we're all going to race Evansville half. That was the first really half. Other than that, okay. we were racing pretty short races at the time, which for me now is horrible. Like having to run a 5K is just makes Not your enjoyable. nose bleed. Yeah, yeah just... Once you Horrible. once you leave the realm of sanity, as yeah. I like to call it, five uh, K is really it suck. hurts. It, they, <laughs> they hurt. Really they suck. really hurt. Yeah, I'm not a major fan for sure. Of that for sure. Um, Kevin's been talking about. It. He's like, yeah, I want to get, I want to land a sub seventeen or sub eighteen five K yeah. this summer, and I'm just like. Well, hey, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, you guys yeah. enjoy that. You got to get in the pain cave for sure. Yeah, for no sure. doubt. So when when did the pass that 13? Yeah, so hit? we ran that. Because you've you, done a bunch of races. A bunch of races, yeah. Uh, we did. Um, so we did that Evansville half, and we all ran really good. Um, every, anywhere from like 115 to 122, right in that range of about 10 or 12 of us. 
But the one guy that didn't run with us went to Chicago, Brandon Verhoeven, mm. and he ran sub three hours at, wow. at at Chicago that year. It was the same day, so we were tracking him after. And I think that kind of set the mood of I'd already done one marathon, um, and and but everybody kind of got in that mood of okay, let's train for a marathon. And we probably ripped off four or five marathons over the next year or two. Um, ran my PR of 259 at, at Chicago. And really at that time, me and Nate were just tired of training for road marathons. It's just yeah. really hard on you. Pounds you. Pounds you hard. And during that time, a couple big things happened in my life was the running groups. We used to pass around books. Yep. Yeah. Running groups actually used to mm-hmm. read books at that time. Sure. But, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Born to Run. I just finished it. Okay, Born to Run was passed around, and I know everybody says it's a barefoot running, but it has nothing to do with barefoot running. I just want to put myself on record that it's more about mm-hmm. uh, more about the deep dive into what running is truly about. That, and then I started reading Anton Krupiska's blog, at okay. that time, which was basically Jim Walmsley circa 12 years ago. Okay. He was running 230, 240 miles a week. Wow. Uh, winning Leadville, winning all these races. Um, and we were looking at these crazy reports. And and um, he had ran American River uh, 50, which is in my neck of the woods in Northern California. Basically okay. starts in Sacramento runs up to Auburn near the Western States finish. Okay. So uh, me and Nate decided we we're going to run a 50K, um, and we signed up for Gnawbone with Dances with Dirt in Bloomington. Okay. Just outside Bloomington. And we went up, and uh, Nate actually got, well, did Nate get her? I can't remember. But we ran that one, uh, went out and ran the, we did the 50 mile later, um, and then that's when it kind of started, fell in love with the thought of, going to all these places and running in all these magical places that I started to read about, like Western yeah. States, and doing these amazing long runs and races. So we really started kind of diving into all the tr- local trail runs from mm-hmm. Indian Salina Trail Marathon, Otter Creek, or Otter Creek Marathon, to they have a great little small one, less than 100 people capped over at Abe Lincoln. Just kind of any trail we could find, we went and ran. Any trail yeah. race, we went and, and ran. And it was just an amazing experience. And it used to be in the old days, you could qualify for Western States with a 50-mile finish at LBL. Really? So you could go down there and just run LBL 50 and get your lottery ticket in yeah. and go from there. So it was... It's not it, a qualifier anymore? Not a qualifier. Ah. You have to run 100, or there's a few 100Ks. Yeah. Uh, but the 100Ks are usually pretty pretty Brutal. hard yeah um but yeah the, we started running all these trails and going around adventuring at german ridge and um heading up to bloomington and running up there um just some beautiful it, just fell in love with it and the more i ran the more i wanted to do these huge races and i just i never dream small i always dream like i don't want to do i want to do the best yeah. race there is i just want to sure do that and and to be honest before i did my first hundred uh you know i was thinking like how how am i going to win these that was my mentality like to train to win these things um but it's just one of those you just uh there's so many great runners out there running these and fast and i think sometimes when you come from a road end you think man i'm gonna do pretty good because i run you know, I have a pretty good half mar- full marathon, and this guy over here runs similar to me on the roads. But to be able to, there's just something about some people when they get on trails. Something switches, and some people can run it, and some people can't. And I think it's about really embracing kind of the the wilderness and the freedom of it. And when you're locked into having something beep at you and telling you splits and you can turn all that off and just run. I think that's when I started to go, wow, this is what I want to do forever. Yeah, no doubt. And 
it's really cool to hear you talk about some, like the running world kind of opening up to you because here in the past few months, that's kind of been where I'm at. Like, I'm like, holy cow, there are all these races all over the place. I mean, I just I just did my first trail race in January, and one of the since- one of the hardest ones in the in the South, by the way, oh, Mountain Mist. It's, it's not a beginner fifty k, <laughs> and you went in all in. It's yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing to be your first one. Yeah, it, well, thank you. It was a lot of fun, and. Uh, certainly learned a lot, especially about nutrition, because I got <laughs> cramps at like mile 15. <laughs> and But you you said that some people come off the road and they're like, yeah, I think I'll do pretty good. That's kind of where I was at. I was like, yeah, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do pretty solid at this. And then, um, oh gosh, her name's slipping me now, but uh, this woman who has been, it was her 20th mountain mess. She was the first woman to do 20. It was her 62nd birthday that week. And I had passed her around mile 17. And then we get to a water line and I'm hiking up and she comes hiking, flying past me. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I said, yeah. 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 I was yeah. like, you know, yeah. I'm not going to be upset about this because that's awesome, you first can't of be. all. You can be. But it, it was so addicting. And you mentioned Born to Run and that it's not really as much about barefoot running as it being about the true kind of core of what running is for humanity. Yeah. And I think trail running kind of embodies that. Turning off the watch, turning off and... I, I thought about this this past weekend with uh, whenever we all got together and did the half marathon mm-hmm. anyway. And, you know, like five people got PRs in their half marathon with no medals, no T-shirt, no, just for the joy of it. And that was the word that kind of came to mind whenever I did Mountain Mist. And whenever I hear you talk about some of these races, turn off the watch, is that, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about all that stuff. Yeah. It's about getting lost in the wilderness that you're in or being yeah. with the people who you're around and finding that joy. Yeah. Finding a supplement company that actually tastes good can be really hard, but I found that in Redcon 1. You can use my code TC20CABLE to get 20% off your order anytime. Just go to redcon1.com Put the items you want into the cart and type that discount code in and bam, 20%. I love their Green Beret Vegan Protein when I'm not doing plant-based. I love their MRE Light. It's all whole food protein. None of that fake shit going around. Also love their Branch Chain Amino Acid Breach. It tastes great. It works great. Hop on over to redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N-1.com. With promo code TC20CABELL for 20% off and find out why I love their products today. Back to this amazing conversation. I think uh, Mountain Miss is the perfect example for that. Um, I never hear people talking about marathons with, like, like, let me sit down and tell you about this race. Like, right. it's a marathon. It, you, you don't really see anything. I ran. Chicago, ran Boston, I've ran a lot of, you know, tons of road marathons. And I don't really remember a lot about the crowd or I kind of remember like bits, but it's like mm-hmm. one of those weird born, uh, born identity, like flashbacks where it's turn kind it off. of, yeah, yeah you can't totally really gauge. But uh, my friend, Michael Abundant, um, his brother, Terry lives in town. Um, he was the first, he's a 10 time finisher of Mountain Mist. And he, every time I was around him, he spoke about Mountain Mist like, like it was a religious experience. Yeah. And I couldn't wait to do that. No one had ever said, oh, this 15K road thing, oh, it's so magical. People will, you know, people were, they had a closure one year and people hiked all the way up to the, up there oh, to man. start the race, run the race and then hike back. Wow. So that's how, like, it was important. Like, yeah. This was an important race to people. And you met Dink yeah, down there. Awesome and, guy. uh, you know, I met Dink and Lonnie. Du- yeah. And Dwayne that just passed away. Mm-hmm. 
listening to him talk in my first Mountain Mist kind of dinner the night before, you just think these these people are just wired a little different. Like yep. it doesn't mean as much. Yeah, they want to run fast. Yeah, they want to do this, but it's you don't have like an accumulative time jacket. You have a finisher jacket. Right. People are just as excited to be scraping past in. I've missed the last few years with injuries, and it's probably mm. the thing that really hurts me the most. Not going, uh, not kind of losing my Western States accumulative cards mm -hmm. for the lottery, or or not going to Leadville when I was in the lottery twice and things have come up. Uh, it's more that I don't get to go do those races. I met one of my best friends, Scott, there at a race at the start line. And it's just, I have so many memories of that place, getting up water line, uh, running to that last uh, last part and being like, this is amazing. Seeing him, you know, leaving blood on that course. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the introduction to, this is more than running. This is more than times. This is, okay, you can look, because I think as runners, a lot of times we do is we're a comparable society. Mm. We look at Strava and say, well, if he ran that, I can run this. And you kind of do the math. I can run a marathon in this, so it's only an extra five miles. And Jimmy right here ran this, so I should be somewhere in this area. But I think when you run a race like that, it becomes about survival. Yes. Like you're thinking... If it sometimes you're thinking if there was an aid station here where I could quit, I yep. might quit. You're trying to make yourself move on um, and keep going. And that's when you kind of find out something about you. You find out something about yourself, about who you are, um, because you can have a bad day in a marathon at mile 22 mm -hmm. and it's only going to be like 40 more minutes. Yeah. Even if you're like limping along, maybe an hour. Right. But when you're hit mile 22 and you're in bad shape, it could be three hours right. on a trail race before you're back in. And walking, getting passed by everybody, I mean, that's it's hard on your ego. You have, to really, you have to really, uh, you got to really uh, deal with your own ego. Yeah, and I, I found a really awesome tip. Uh, I've been following Lucy Bartholomew mm -hmm. a little bit more. She's such a positive yeah. person, you know. Amazing and uh, yeah, and well, I mean, hell, I've I've been doing 50k since I was 15. Not that I have that gene in me, because yeah. that's another level of like <laughs> holy shit. But um, she was talking about how sometimes whenever she gets into kind of that pain cave of like, wow, I could I could quit right now to just like step back. First of all, realize you're just running. Yeah. Like at the, at the top of it all, you're putting one foot in front of the other. And then she's like, and then just look around at where you're at and yeah. what you're doing and that you get to experience this and just step outside of where you're at. Like you don't have to st sit there in the pain cave and think about the pain. Yeah. You can step outside of that. And I thought that was really cool. Definitely. I put that in my back pocket for later. Yeah. Those little tools, um, that you have to develop and those, those kind of things too. Um, I think we really, I think when I first got into ultra running, and even the long distance runnings, I think everything was in kind of uh, blog. So everything was written. You had to read every, all the race reports. Mm -hmm. And I think for the one thing for me is that everybody in the top tier, the people that we follow, like, oh, look, look at this guy. You never really saw, they never really let, the, let you inside the pain. It yeah. was always like, here, I made it to this. Struggled a little bit. But as you started to see the videos of it, when videoing mm -hmm. started becoming big in those big races, you started seeing people throwing up yeah. and doing like, boy, I've been through that. And he came back and won. Or even in the great one, I think the best one that I've ever read is in Born to Run. Scott Jurek is talking about running uh, Badwater yes. and puking, laying on the ground. And then he convinced his own mind that, oh, this is the start line. I'm yeah. ready to go and then continued from there and end up winning. So I think that's something that, you know, those kind of tricks, those kind of things, and the longer the race is, they even work in 5Ks because I think we've been in 5Ks and doing 5K classes. You have to teach those people 
that second mile is not going to be the best. You're yeah. going to be like, one mile, okay, feel good. Second mile, okay, this is your first 5K. This is 100 mile to that person. Maybe. Yeah, no that doubt. second mile could be the hardest thing. And you like, I can't do this. Every insecurity is going to come up. I'm not good enough. My husband, my wife was right. My father was right. My mom was right. All those things. That yeah. PE teacher back in high school. Mm. All of those things are going to come up in your brain. Just got to make it to that mile three. Because that's when it starts to go down. Of course, in the middle, that's the, that's the hardest part about ultra is being in that 50 you feel forever away. 50%. You're just like, oh my gosh, I've got to do another. I'm, I'm halfway. Halfway. And I've been out here for X amount of hours. How yeah, am I going to do this? Absolutely. And I think I appreciate you bringing up the 5K because, I mean, it, effort is so relative. I mean, especially, and it seems like more recently we look at um, really listening to your body and feeling your effort and knowing where that is for you. Instead of trying to, you know, compare yourself to others, trying keeping up with others. And, uh, you know, just from talking to some other people, but maybe pushing through pain isn't as much of a trend today as yeah. it once was, at least in your training. Yeah. Maybe on race day, you're going to do a little bit more. But um, I think that, you know, it's so important for people to understand that all these things that we talk about, about these 50Ks, 100Ks, 100 milers, marathons, it's all applicable to every level of where you're at. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think uh, I think people would be surprised when they go to some of these big races. Even like Ironman, you go there and you watch people get out of the water and you're like, wow, if that person could do it. There's nothing more that turns you more into the, if that guy can do it person, mm -hmm. than going to a, an endurance race. Yeah. Because you're going, wow, that person's not skinny like all the people that I thought were going to be here. Right. That person's not, that person looks more like me. It's, it's really kind of when you actually go and watch one, I was like, go and watch one. I bet mm -hmm. you, you think, wow, I could probably do that. You might not want to do it, but you could, you think you can do it. And I think effort is the key to everything. I got to hang out with a coach in Colorado and he was a big effort based coach, a big, uh, big, uh, eared guy. And, he always talked about the heart doesn't understand pace. Like the heart only understands effort. So okay. I always try to tell people a Kenyan guy running a 202 marathon and a guy that runs a 402 marathon, if they're going to do an, a, a tempo style run that they want to get in some sort of anaerobic workout, if they're both doing that same workout, the heart's going to beat exactly the same to get the yeah. most benefits. The pace is just going to be different. Sure. That's the only difference. They're still getting the same benefits. It's just that this guy's 220, this guy's 120, and yep. has ran 10,000 miles. This guy's just beginning. So though, if you can meet in the middle and kind of take away, take away the pace, take away the comparing others, um, and that's going to be the key to growth. For sure. And it's sharing that road and making, you know, even the best athletes are at the same workout level of as far as heart rate goes of somebody who's just starting out. And I think that's one of the other cool things too, talking about beginners and just many year vets is this is the only sport where you can pretty much enter at any point in your life and achieve greatness like yeah. really achieve yeah. whatever is in your definition of greatness like somebody can't decide when they're even 22 years old they're like you know what i'm gonna be in the nfl you're not gonna be able to not do that it's not happening it. with any of the uh, professional sports leagues but somebody can decide at 40 hell 60 70 that they're going to do an ultra race mm -hmm. and they're going to do a damn good job of it. I listened to um, a guy on one of Strava's podcasts who was 72 years old. He was from South Africa. He got exiled during the uh, whole Mandela and the civil war there in South Africa. And he decided at 72, you know what? I was never able to complete comrades. 
I want to do comrades. Yeah. And he trained and completed it. And that's, that's a awesome. freaking hard race. It was that's an up brutal. year. Yeah. <laughs> and this 72-year-old, like, rocked it out. And I so, truly believe that. I truly believe. I mean, I didn't start running until my mid-30s. Uh, my best races were 38, 37, 38 years old. And now being almost 50, um, I really, I think you just have to, it's the way your mentality sits. A lot of people will, will come up to you when you get up in age and you're just going to be beat down by the society of that. The society of people telling you, well, those injuries come because you're old, getting older, getting yeah. up in age. But you can, like your dad, okay, people are probably telling him that. But mm -hmm. that guy's been going hardcore for a long time. Yep. That guy's had a great run. Maybe at that point you can tell some. But some people are getting told this, and they've never even started that journey yet. Sure. They said, oh, you can't start now. You might as well just start dying. So when yeah. we get into that age, I don't, you know, the whole funny thing about at Legion Park was Jimmy Briggins was always like, I'm going to shock the world at 60. You know, I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm making the comeback. And, uh, and that was awesome. And that, that mentality rubs off on people. I don't sure. really think I'm coming off an injury. I have some weight back on me. I'm like, I can't wait to get to 50. Right. Cause that means I get to move up age groups and I get to be at the low end of it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, and I'm PR in something when I'm 50, that's yeah. where I look at it. I'm not going to have somebody that knows nothing about what's inside of me. Tell me mm -hmm. that I have to define my age. Um, and what I can do with it. So you bring up injury. Um, there, with all the positives of running and this lifestyle that we lead, there are certainly downs, just like there are in a race. And injuries are freaking hard in every part of it. Your routine, um, in your headspace, <laughs> in your relationships with other people. I mean, it hits and it hits hard. Um, you know, so how I've never had a major injury. Yeah. I, I had plantar fasciitis that was kind of nagging for like a couple months. Yeah. And I even started like, what am I going to do with my time? But like, if, if you have a serious injury, can you kind of tell us a little bit about like some of the things that have, um, helped you to like, you know, I'm, I'm coming back from this motherfucker yeah. and because it, most days it's probably hard to be like most that, days it's hard to get up and going again i think yeah. mostly for me um you know i did not have any injury i had the little injuries um but mostly it was really kind of dealing with little you know little niggles here and there little little bit of pain i'd have an achilles and doing this it's really not until um, and I knew, I knew from the start that I was not going to be a good injured person. Mm -hmm. I have too much anxiety and depression and too many bad habits eating, um, that can really go downhill fast. And my really, when, when I started having the hip issue, um, I was running a lot. I had ran, I really wanted to do Leadville. I had gone through a huge six-month block. Scott had put together a, a, a nice training plan. I was doing three-hour three-hour treadmill runs at you know at, at with at slant and running you know eighty to hundred miles a week, and felt I felt pretty good. I was mm -hmm. on. I had been kind of wavering with not. I wasn't definitely in my best shape. Um, but I had gone into, uh, I ran a, ran Boston the next week. I ran Indiana 100 five days after Boston. So Monday oh, man. ran Boston. Shelly got hurt that year, uh, hurt her hip. And I ran, ran Indiana hundred. And I think that's where it really kind of started. It was a really muddy year and I only, I dropped out at the 50 just because it was so muddy and everything was slipping and I just had tons of pain in my hip and really probably just ran through injury, right. didn't deal with it, didn't do correctives. Was it like IT band? No, it was stuff, felt like, groin, oh, groinish. Wow. So it ended up I had a tear in one of the ligaments in there. Okay. And then I had something that was basically 
a growth on one of the balls in there and it was hitting the socket. Oh man. So they shaved that down, but it was a year off. I couldn't do anything for a year. And it went downhill pretty quick. You know, um, I went from being a very social runner to, I can't run with anybody Yeah. to, I don't even want to see anybody to, I don't even want to be here. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, it went downhill really fast, but I think when I look back on it, the one thing I could have done is when we get into this running, I think it becomes, it starts to define you. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not running, you're somehow not going to be seen as the same. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, if I would have just done some of the things I would tell other people to do, like do some correctives, your preparation is not for a race now. It's for that first run after the surgery. I wasn't invested in that whole year. I was just invested in, you know, with some stuff personally um, and going kind of downhill uh, in some things. It was really one of those times where mentally I just didn't care. I was happy to be done. And I went through many times where I was like, I'm just never going to run again. Yeah. Um, but it just never works for me. It just keeps calling my name. Yeah. So I wish people would though understand, find a good physical therapist. I mean, RPI, shameless plug. Yeah. Uh, they're really the sure. best um, down there. Uh, find somebody that can look at you and mm-hmm. not tell you, look, you might have plantar fasciitis. You might have IT band issues. The IT band and the plantar fascia are not the problems. Right. It's caused by something that links down into that, which as runners, we tend to neglect. We tend to not stretch right or do correctives or do anything. We right. just sometimes care about We're getting just running. What does it say on the what does it say on the on the schedule? Get that in. Yeah. You know, uh, so find somebody that can really help you out that way. And I think that that will lead to definitely a better place when you come back. Cause right mm. now it's hard. Um, and I'm a chronic sign up for stuff mm-hmm. guy to get me motivated. Yeah. I go from, I've signed up for tons of races and then be like, why did I sign up for that? <laughs> An hour later. Um, because, uh, nothing seems impossible. You know, I guess that's the way I see it. Uh, for me is I don't see, uh, I feel like you could drop me in the middle of anywhere and I've mm-hmm. read so many like inspirational running things that I'm like, yep. I can make it out of here hundred miles. Like if that person can do it, I can do it. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. It might be right now covered in extra fat and uh, mm-hmm. not very good aerobic fitness, right. but I can do it. Well, I mean, and I think you already showed that last fall <laughs> at the Tunnel Hill 100, um, which, uh, Katie talked about whenever she came on the show, um, you know, you decide, okay, I'm going to do Tunnel Hill. You dedicate it to Roxy Pickerel, um, which if you don't know that story, head back to episode two. Uh, check that out. And But, I mean, you hadn't really d- trained for that 100. Yeah. Um, well, I was... I thought to myself that I was going to do uh, some half Ironman. My wife does a ton of mm-hmm. half Ironmans. Um, and she really enjoys it, does really well she's at one it. Of the, she's one she's, of the best. She's really good. She's and really she puts a lot good. of time into it. So I thought it would be fun. I like riding the bike. I like running. I don't really like going to the pool and swimming. I hate swimming. Um, but <laughs> uh, so I was a little bit. I had not done any run over eight miles. Um, and I did four weeks before the 100. I did mm-hmm. um, Ironman. North Carolina. Yeah. So I tracked did, you on that. Yeah. One. The 13. You had I did a good the, showing. So 13 miles. That was my longest run actually yeah. before. I didn't do anything. I basically tapered for three weeks. Yeah. Didn't do much and knew that if I could just get out there on a fair, you know, really runnable course, then mm-hmm. I didn't have to look for rocks. I could just kind of stumble along. But I, I thought, I feel like I could do it. Um, and honestly, I think that's one thing that I always gravitate towards when I listen to people. I think we got to do stuff that scares us. Yes. I think it's, I mean, I think if, this is not my, my belief. I've, I've heard this from num- numerous people. I think doing stuff that we know that we could fail at mm-hmm. is important in your life. Yes. It's, uh, we're really in a society that, um, make sure that 
it's like do things just enough to be where like I can I know I can do it. I know I can like, succeed uh, at that. Yeah. Uh, it's maybe bad to say, and I think those kind of fit for five k classes are great, and I think it's an introduction to running. Mm-hmm. But in your brain, like I want to know what you really want to do because yeah. no one's on your deathbed going, "I wish I had done a five k." Yes, they're I like agree. there's something else grander in that. Yes. So really trying to, to really trying to get into that. And know that when you step into something that you're scared to death, I mean, I hit mile 20 and all I could think about is how am I going to tell all these people I only made it a marathon? Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought. I was like, I was dropping at 26. I was like coming back into the halfway point there. Um, and I was, I was like, I was at my car, my whole crew was there and I was walking. Um, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And yeah. all I could think about was how am I going to explain to people um, that I couldn't do this? And I'm glad I didn't. And yeah. I mean, I think, and that's one thing that people always think is like, they're the only people that, that feel that way. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of people, I mean, as we're seeing now that anxiety and depression and all of this is becoming a little more, I guess, air quotes, mainstream. Sure. And people are a little more about to share it. Yes. That you're seeing that like people have these thoughts that I yeah. can't do it, but they're still going out and testing themselves. Absolutely. And yeah, especially in endurance sports. I mean, we've seen a lot of people come out. Uh, there was a triathlete who um, suicided, I believe it was last year. And so I've really opened up the conversation um, within that realm. But man, finding something that you know that not only is it possible for you to fail, probable, probable. that you're going to fail. Yeah. Um, John Kelly spoke on that uh, about the Barkley marathons. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. I just like to sign up for things. He just did um, whatever the did that FKT two, and the, yeah across yeah. England. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Like man. destroyed it. Yeah, did really. Hadn't well. been running very much either. Yeah, but you know he's also too like a top Ironman. Yeah, like he, he does that in the Iron summer, Man's. and then yeah, and like and and the Barkley fascination is an excellent example. Yeah. Uh, I keep saying Scott, he's he's just a, done a lot of cool races, but he's done mm-hmm. the Barkley three times. Like every time I think, could you do the Barkley, Dylan? I think Scott can't even make it a fun run. How yeah. the hell am I gonna do it? Yeah. That guy's a monster. But that's why people are gravitating towards these races. They're like, I want to watch the movie. I want to, have you seen this? It just goes around. Because people are intrigued by that, those hard things. And you're seeing these Tahoe 200, Moab 240. Uh, Jamil just dropped the new race in Arizona, Mm -hmm. 250 miles. And so like these races are getting longer because it's becoming more about, okay, People are looking for that kind of stuff. Not only that, but the ultra is growing. Like oh, as far as the sure. people who are doing it. Um, I mean, I, I think more um, prior to, it wasn't necessarily, everybody was always like, oh, wow, it's really great that this 28-year-old is getting into running ultras. But now it's kind of like, I mean, there's a lot of guys in their 20s and 30s who are running these things. Money's not there. Just like like uh, there's some yeah. sponsorship money there yeah, right now. Yeah, that's true. Um, before, there was only a few athletes that were really getting that sponsor, and you're seeing mm-hmm. people like Solomon and Hoka and all these big shoe companies going in, and even Nike with some of their trail runs because it's getting publicity. People yeah. are searching for something. I guess Carl was kind of the first big sponsor. Car- yeah, Carl, well, Scott at Brooks was a, a big one, and Patagonia yeah. had teams. David Horton used and all those guys used to run for for Patagonia. Patagonia Montreal had a oh, team yeah. um, at a point, and Pearl Azumi even had a huge team. Really? That, like Timothy Olsen and Nick Clark all ran huh. for, Ian Torrance. And then Ultra, Ultra does a pretty good job once they got into the game, yeah. Golden and them, uh, getting people out. They just landed Hayden Hawks, yeah. too. Yeah, That's Ben Hayden game. was with, uh, he was with Hoka uh, yeah. before that. So I think really it's about those people in order to live that lifestyle of running mm-hmm. 140 miles a week, no matter what, that you're seeing prize money. You yes. know, people, there's prize money, there's... 
you can make a living at running, but mm-hmm. the life, the, sh- the shelf life of ultras are, you know, Timothy Olson was just on the scene just a few years ago, no, setting records at he? Western States. And, you know, he's still around, but mm-hmm. he's not the superstar that he was, yeah. uh, was that Anton's good. He, he's gone. And, you know, you worry about Walmsley when he's running all those miles, <sighs> like, will that body be able to hold up? For that, it's interesting to watch uh, the different personalities of ultra marathoners and like oh, yeah. how they go in between races. Like you look at, I mean, John Kelly's a full time engineer, yeah. like you know, and he's yeah. doing all this stuff. But at the same time, it seems like he kind of knows how to schedule his year to where he's not just pounding, pounding, yeah. pounding, pounding. Uh, Lucy just got back uh, following her um, from this huge trip to Nepal where she just like chilled and like she would run yeah. with people. And so I think it's interesting to see um, how th- longevity changes. I think a little bit of it for us in here in the Midwest, too, is, uh, you know, if we want to do a really technical high mm-hmm. uh elevation type race you know we could run a 30 miles on a trails and only get like 2,000 feet of gain yeah where they could hike up to 10,000 feet yep. and get in within six miles get 5,000 yep. um, in a very short time so they can crunch that maybe the wear and tear on the legs down and mm. they're getting more benefits out of power hiking or doing some of those things like they do not year-round skiing or, yeah. you know, you know, mountaineering and all those kind of things. There's a lot more. We're just going to have to bring the mountains to yeah. us, I guess. I we'll just have to Go build slay. some mountains. Go slay over <laughs> on the west side. Yeah, that's right. Top, tops out on the east side. I guess the east side tops out at 640 feet, Dude, I think, I, is the top one. I'm going, uh, I'm going to Colorado for the first time in my life it's in July. Where are you going? Uh, we're go- So we're going with the Army to Fort Carson, which is right outside Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, Pikes Peak is right there. Can't wait to like be totally landed flat on my face because I've never been in elevation <laughs> like that in my entire life. Yeah, you'll love it. It's yeah, amazing. I'm I'm super pumped just because like I mean I have I was born in Kentucky, lived yeah. in Kentucky, went to college in Kentucky, pretty much been in Kentucky, and so now as I'm looking at more of these races, I'm like. I want to go everywhere. Yeah. I would that Pikes Peak Marathon's definitely on the bucket list. Yeah. For sure. Just I, to do a full uphill and then a, all the way back downhill, you know. The down would be worse. Yeah, it would be hard, uh, especially with the switchbacks, but I think it would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. It'd be, it'd oh, be, yeah. It, it's definitely on the list. Colorado's awesome. I've only been there in the summer, so yeah. I don't know the uh I don't know the the snow days. I like the pictures of people where they're like the hair on their face is like got ice on it. Yeah, the beard, got the beard, <laughs> beard yeah. of beard of white. I definitely made the mecca to you know Anton was my favorite, and I went to went to Boulder and did the flat irons, mm. ran the flat irons and did Green Mountain because he always talked about doing Green Mountain, so it was like on the bucket list. And I remember. Going up to green to the little thing where you sign, it was like in 42 minutes. I don't know what oh. it was, something. But back down was like 18. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember coming down the end. I was like, is this what it feels like when they re-enter the atmosphere, when it's burning? Oh, That's what my wow. feet felt last We were going so fast. There was like tourists walking with little kids. I'm like, I'm going to kill a little kid. They're like some some flatlander from the Midwest killed a kid out at at the at Flatirons, uh, but yeah, it's Jeez. amazing. It's just it's all inspiring. It's uh, I always I just want to go back all the time. Yeah. I've spent uh, been there four or five times, and just every time I go, I I just come back wanting to move. Yeah, for <laughs> every sure. Time. For sure. Um, now. One one thing that I also wanted to get to is your kids have started getting into endurance sports, especially triathlons. Yeah. Um, so how freaking awesome is that to watch? It's pretty like, cool. It's pretty be... cool. Um, it's you know our son is not very competitive. He just he just likes to go out and do it. Uh, Dakota Watkins, um, who's out in California now, working for Giant. Um, gave him this LeMond um, steel frame bike and it has nice. a cool sticker on it. 
and uh, he loves that thing. But he just wants it. He doesn't want any. He just doesn't. He just doesn't want anything fancy. Yeah, I don't. I don't need a bike like that. I have my steel frame American-made bike. Nice. And so he's always into that. But Naya takes it pretty seriously. Like she yeah. wants. She wants the rims, and she wants deep dish, and she wants uh, you know push watts and break people's souls. Yeah, but, she's uh, got that killer yeah, mentality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But when we first started, uh, Jan Ward and Karen Holbeman started a youth triathlon team, and we. Naya did that for a couple of years, and when they got out of that, they asked us to, to take it over, and it's been great. You know, we yeah. we've had last year we have about thirty to forty kids Holy anywhere from cow. like eight years old to high school, yeah, and uh, that come some come from an hour away um, and train, um, and it's really fun, and it's really fun to see. Um, I think for us we coached in middle school the feeder program to davis county high school and it was fun watching those kids go to a good program and move on and go and run in college and things like that but i think this is a way for us not to have to commit to bus rides and still get like a fix in uh with us because our kids never really have played any ball sports sure um and this has been something uh naya loves to swim she's really improved and she loves to ride her bike she's going to do a lot of crit racing this summer and uh, really likes to get after it. So we've been really safe with running with her. Um, we haven't ran her very much just because um, we just want her to be her best when she gets a little bit older. Her body um, has time to, to develop. develop. And, yeah. um, so swimming's been really good for her confidence this year, but it's just really fun. If you ever get a chance to come out to the Owensboro Parent triathlon and help out in um in owensboro yeah it is really amazing you'll see some really cool stuff when is that usually um well this year who knows yeah man no kidding i would hate to say i would hate to say uh what date it is but it's on their website okay um check it out it's if you want to volunteer or definitely if you have kids uh interested it's all levels for sure awesome well um dylan Thanks a lot for coming yeah, and hanging out. Yeah. Is there anything, any other topics you wanted to hit? I know we didn't even talk about Project Rise, huh? Oh crap, man! I told you in the text yeah, we'll that to this go is again. gonna have, we'll have to, to be like again. this was the this was the Dylan show. We'll yeah. make it the Project Rise show <laughs> next time. But no, but the last thing I would say is uh, don't be afraid to ask people for help. I think sometimes that's what keeps people from running or mm. going to ride and. Find a group that's willing to stay back just because, uh, and I think this is more to the people that maybe um, are past the stage of beginning. Remember how you were when you first started and that person shows up to your run or ride and they get dropped within the first minute. Think about how you felt those first runs when you went to the group runs, how that made you feel because it could really make or break somebody's health. That person could decide, I'm never coming back to this because this is how it is. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Think about that and how as a community we can pay it forward because none of us here are getting paid. None of us are going to go pro. Well, maybe somebody will, but I mean, the percentages are very short. Yeah, definitely. Um, So make sure that we think about what we're doing, how we're portraying ourselves, the group, and who's coming into it, and who's getting a chance to start their journey with you. It's a huge responsibility. Absolutely. And if you want to get a good piece of that um, action of camaraderie, make sure you come out, if you're in the Owensboro area, to Project Rise on Thursday, 0529. 0529, that's 0529 in the morning. Oh, yeah. That's my Tom Cruise quote. As Is that 05.30 early. in the morning? <laughs> uh, so make sure you come out. All abilities. We all run together. We encourage each other. And, man, that's where I made all my friends. Uh, we're going to have Dylan back sometime to talk more about Project Rise. But, man, Dylan, thank you so much for coming Thanks. and sharing your story and your encouragement and your inspiration with us today. Subscribe to the pod. Subscribe to the pod. You can find Dylan on Instagram at? 24 Trail Runner. 24 trail runner he's always got some awesome content that he's posting on there certainly a good follow so dylan thanks again brother certainly appreciate it peace
All right. Wow. I mean, one of the whole reasons I started this podcast is to have runners on who are experienced and knowledgeable. And so I can pull some of that information and add it to my own approach to running. And wow, there was so much I could pull from that conversation with Dylan and so much that I always pull when I talk to Dylan about how I can be a more effective runner, racer, and athlete, and overall positive person. Hopefully you found something that you enjoyed and that you learned. Make sure you share and let me know what your favorite part of the pod was. Don't forget to make sure that when you run this week, you snap a picture, snap a selfie, post it onto Instagram story or in an Instagram or Facebook post, hashtag for the joy at share the road pod. And I will share that to my story. And that way we can spread some positivity around in these nuts times. Hopefully you're making sure you're taking this quarantine seriously. You're staying healthy. You're making sure that you're staying six feet apart and washing your hands for 20 seconds. Fun fact, if you sing the chorus for Africa for Africa by Toto, um, that's 20 seconds. So every time I wash my hands, I'm sitting there like, it's going to take a lot to drag me away from you. Yeah, make sure that you're doing that, staying healthy, staying fit, staying positive, and virtually sharing the road. All right, guys, until next week, this is Chris Abel, out. <laughs>